Welcome to Fifth Draw Wild. I'm Matt, and joining me today is Shannon Maynard. Shannon, thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. Shannon, um, we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange today, uh, the Marvel Comics character. How do you feel about Doctor Strange? Uh, he has been my favorite Marvel character since I was in middle school and high school, so I have a lot of very positive feelings about Doctor Strange. Fantastic. We're going to kind of just start back at the beginning, the classic Marvel stuff. Where did Doctor Strange come from? Like, where did where did this whole story and the mystic side of Marvel kind of start? Well, Doctor Strange got his start in the Strange Tales lines, which at the time, I think it was in the late 60s. It was like, they just kind of put stuff that they didn't really know where to put. They just kind of put it in Strange Tales. They're like, oh, here's some stuff with S.H.I.E.L.D. Here's some weird magic stuff that maybe people will like. And then everyone liked them, so they're just like, oh. Uh, just let them take over the book. It's fine. And that was that uh, Steve Ditko art, right? The yeah. The really trippy... Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, man, I love old Steve Ditko art. His stuff looked great. <laughs> what kind of drew you to him, you know, out of that old Marvel stuff? What was kind of the driving force behind uh, what drew you to the character? Well, at the time, when I got into comics, it was me breaking into my brother's room when he was in school and I wasn't. And because uh, there's a four year difference, so we were never really in the same school level. So I think like when I was in middle school, he was in high school. So he I'd get home later and he'd be at his job already. So I'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna go see what Sean has in his room. And he had a bunch of Marvel comics and I would just take them all and read them before he got home. And that's how I got into Doctor Strange because he just had a bunch of like Doctor Strange and X-Men and I just kind of gave up on trying to make sense of X-Men. So (laughs) I chose the guy with magic powers that can like do whatever he wants instead because somehow that was easier. What's what's Doctor Strange's kind of story? What what goes on with him? Kind of starting from his origin and moving forward with his character. What's kind of the broad strokes of him? Uh, well, he starts off as a giant douchebag and just kind of becomes less of a giant douchebag. I don't know, I just always liked how flawed he is. Like, he starts off like this huge jerk that's all about, like, I'm the best surgeon. No one's better than me. I don't actually care about people. I care about furthering myself. And then he gets in the car accident and ruins his hands. And he's just like, oh well this one thing I was good at I suddenly can't do anymore so I have to find a way to fix it and he does the whole goes through all western medicine and then turns to eastern medicine and finds the ancient one and becomes a giant sorcerer instead of fixing his hands which sounds way better all right, so so we have we have Doctor Strange. What's what's kind of the rest of the cast of characters that we get out of the uh, the original run here? Unfortunately, the comics started in the '60s, so a lot of them are big yikes. <laughs> like <laughs> the Ancient One was his mentor, the guy that trained him. And going back in the old comics, he's just kind of a Fu Manchu kind of guy. And then he had Wong, who started out as his manservant and kind of turned into a friend slash companion and just partner more than anything, which is great because Wong's always been pretty awesome. It was just they didn't really give him a lot to do back in the old days. And now all the modern comics are kind of letting him do his own thing. There's Baron Mordo, who they again, he's another character. He started off just he was always weird looking. They never really drew him looking very person-y. Because they're like, very clearly from the beginning, they're like, hey, this guy's evil. He's got a receding hairline, 
and he kind of doesn't look like a person, and he's doing very shady stuff. Like, there was no subtlety with him, but he was still a really interesting character, and now they've evolved him to have a lot more subtlety, and you can kind of believe that he's friends with Strange before he goes evil. So less of a just a straight caricature of evil bad guy and more of a real person now? Yeah, the old Doctor Strange comics were very just, like, you could tell that they weren't sure if this character was going to be popular, so they're just kind of like, ah, just do whatever you want. It's going to take place in Tibet. Let's just have, like, weird, crazy magic stuff. And then he suddenly got popular. They're like, oh, we should probably know what we're doing. And it didn't stay in Tibet long, right? He uh, he switched over kind of primarily to Greenwich Village pretty quickly there, right? Uh, yeah, the Sanctum Centorium's in Greenwich Village, so they kind of switched it to New York but they always try to keep his origin story in Asia somewhere. And what what is this whole uh, Sorcerer Supreme thing, you know? That's always the title that gets associated with him. So what's going on there? What's what's that all about? It's basically, like, the best magic dude. Okay. He just, like, it's, I guess, the person that's basically in charge and kind of he- heads everything and, like, taking care of our dimension when coming into contact with other dimensions and like making sure we don't fall into like the dark dimension or the nightmare dimension and just kind of keeping track of everything and just you're like you're the top sorcerer so you're in charge of everything and this is this is really kind of that side of marvel more than a lot of others that really does deal with those other dimensions right yeah. this is the one that kind of expanded the world out from beyond just the physical space realm and everything Mm-hmm. My experience with Doctor Strange is limited to just kind of the couple little passing references, seeing him in other comics. Um, he was a main character in House of M. That oh, was yeah, a book was. we talked about with Alan uh, Sells a couple episodes ago. And, you know, you kind of saw him at a low point in that book. You know, other than that, I've seen him in a few of the new Marvel things that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And then in the animated movie and the new movie that we're going to get to as well. But other than that, I, I did research on him and I read some stuff. But Doctor Strange kind of as a whole, he's a great character. But I still am kind of in the dark about what his deal is, you know? Like, that's that's kind of the, the question for me is, what's up with this guy? Like, I know he, he and Dormammu kind of perpetually fight forever. There's someone named Clea, and Baron Mordo's a big old jerk, and the Ancient One is a horribly kind of sort of racist caricature that floats around in his dreams. I can't believe I forgot about Clea. She's like one of my favorites. Oh, what is? Who is Clea? Tell me all uh... about Clea. Well, it's his on-again, off-again wife, girlfriend. They've kind of changed over the years. I think they're technically divorced right now. That may have been the most Marvel statement I've ever heard. <laughs> on-again, off-again wife, girlfriend. That's, yeah. um, that's Marvel in a sentence right there. <laughs> she first she actually shows up pretty early on in the comics. She's um, in the dark dimension and he rescues her from Dormammu. And then she just kind of becomes his student to learn more about magic because since she was from the dark dimension, she's already using magic, but it's like a totally different style than what he has. So he kind of like shows her the way to do magic that's not Dormammu's way. Yeah, they have a pretty interesting relationship because it goes from like student and teacher to dating to married. Now they're kind of divorced. And, like, they they just had, like, I think in the newest annual, she showed back up. And they're, they're on thin ice. Like, you can tell there's something still there. But they kind of hate each other. But they don't want to hate each other. They're just kind of frustrated. I don't know. It's a Marvel romance. It's going <laughs> to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. It, not, not really the high point there. Yeah. <laughs> 
So we, we mentioned him a couple times now, but uh, who is Dormammu? Uh, the Dread Dormammu is Doctor Strange's like main nemesis. He's the ruler of the Dark Dimension, which is one of the many dimensions that Doctor Strange usually goes to. It's like the big nasty evil dimension. I don't know. Dwar- he's pretty. He's pretty straightforward. He's just a dude that runs an evil dimension. He just, he just wants to wreck shit sometimes. And yeah, that's basically it. He's a big like celestial being with a flaming head like he's really cool like he's not like the most technically great villain but like he's just cool it's kind of like galactus where you're like you have to do the one thing you do but you do it super good like keep doing you if you're only gonna do one thing make sure you do it excellently yeah <laughs> so kind of transitioning along what what has marvel done with with dr strange over the years to keep him fresh because i imagine there comes a point where a uh, white magic dude sitting in greenwich village would kind of lose its edge after a while yeah there was a weird time during i think like the 80s and 90s where they tried to turn him into a more traditional superhero and he became i think it was called the blue sage i don't know i don't reread those comics they weren't very good But they put him in, because, like, you know Doctor Strange's look, he's just, like, an old white dude with, like, his tunic and the big cape. They put him in a head-to-toe blue um, leotard, a blue face with, like, black eyes and, like, a mouth and everything. It just... It looked like he was in a morph suit, but then, like, he still had, like, the symbol on his chest and the cloak, and they just tried to make him much more of a, like, a POW superhero instead of just, like, a dude that happens to help save the world. It was a little awkward, and it was kind of weird, because he'd still be doing very Doctor Strange stuff, like, going to the dimensions and dealing with, like, these big celestial supervillains, but then he's just suddenly dressed like a goofy superhero, it's just... It was a little weird. <laughs> but yeah, the thing with Doctor Strange that is hard to keep balance is because he deals with such huge stuff that, like, it kind of just keeps getting bigger that eventually kind of has to go back down and then go back up. And it just kind of keeps going. It's a little bit like, hey, deal this dude named Eternity that's basically the outline of the universe. Or, like, go fight this dude named Baron Mordo who's literally just a dude. Like, one of these two, and it's everything in between. So they kind of rotate between between that. So has he always been the Sorcerer Supreme? No, there was a while where I think something happened in New Avengers where he stopped being the Sorcerer Supreme. I'll admit, I didn't read like any of the New Avengers. I meant to, I just forgot. And then there's suddenly just like, hey, Doctor Strange isn't Sorcerer Supreme anymore. It's now Brother Voodoo. And I was just like, wait, what? Hold on. No, what happened? Uh, Brother Voodoo didn't last very long, sadly, as Doctor Voodoo. Which I was like, oh, I bought all the comics. I was like, oh, if you're gonna re- replace my dude, I want to see what you're about. And he was cool. I like Brother Voodoo, but yeah, it was just one of those like Doctor Strange kept showing up in the issues, and it was just kind of like, oh, you're not really replacing him if your boss is still here. So, <laughs> and unfortunately, that series got canceled, and they brought Doctor Strange back as Sorcerer Supreme. But Brother Voodoo does still show up pretty often, which is nice. So, uh, what have they been doing with him? recently is marvel had that kind of weird secret wars battle world reboot thing they just did what's been uh, what's been dr strange's deal now in this reorganized world well i don't know what the marvel universe itself is up to because like don't let my stacks of boxes behind me fool you <laughs> i'm not caught up in comics so i don't know what marvel's up to but i am caught up in dr strange so i just kind of stay in his contained universe that's probably for the best 
Yeah. Uh, but there is a new Doctor Strange comic, which is, like, basically all I could ever possibly care about. And it's written by Jason Aaron, who's one of my favorite writers. And uh, I can't remember the name of the f- artist right now. Something Bacalo? I don't know. Those comics are over there. I'll worry about it later. <laughs> Uh, but, like, it looks really good, and they're letting him do his own thing, and, like, he's still very Sorcerer supreme but, like, he's a bit more fisticuffs, which is cool. Like, he's got an axe, he's in combat boots, like, his cape's not as crazy, like, he usually just kind of wears it as, like, a weird scarf, and then will, like, cape it out when he needs it. Okay. But, yeah, uh, the new comic's a lot of fun. It's... I don't know, it's weird, which I feel like is the way to describe all Doctor Strange comics, where it's just, they're a little hard to describe sometimes, you just, you gotta read it. But, um, yeah, it deals a lot with him going between dimensions and just, like, fighting new villains. So kind of the, uh, the dimension-hopping bad guy slayer? Yeah, they started doing a new cool thing with the art, where when he'll use his, um, Iva Agamordo, he'll put it on his forehead and the world will go white, but then anything that's an interdimensional creature or demon will be in color so Ooh. he'll be like walking through new york and like it's basically kind of like how in the movie they had the mirror dimension where like people can't see this world or interact with it but he can so then like he'll be be dealing with demons that like only he can see and having like fights that are invisible to everyone that's kind of cool that sounds really good that's so uh, let's uh let's go into kind of a realm and I hate to pigeonhole you like this, but a realm that you're probably really, really familiar with and keep an eye on. Uh, what's the art been like for this? Uh, we mentioned Steve Ditko, you know, way back. What's what's the uh, Doctor Strange art? It feels like there's an area where they can do some crazy stuff with this character. Uh, yeah, Doctor Strange art has been pretty consistently, like, just, just kind of cool. Like, I've never really seen an artist on Doctor Strange that, like, I didn't feel like belonged there. Like, we've had, um, oh, what's his name? Something Martin on the Oath. Like, it was a very, like, stylized, cartoony route, but, like, it still fit. And it was, like, bright and colorful and everything was, like, very blocked off, kind of. But, like, it still fit. And then there's been stuff like, you know, obviously Steve Ditko where everything's very, like, crazy and over the top. And then there's people like Bruner who, like, all the people are very classically drawn and very handsome. But then there's just so much insanity going on behind them. And then the new artist does a lot of, like, it's really messy. Like, all the ink lines are really thick and they're very just, like, like brushy and everything just feels messy but still clean and just like you're just kind of watching everything go all over the place and it just seems like a mess but it's like a well-contained mess that you can still follow but like it feels just messy enough to like be weird I don't know I'm really bad at describing art for someone that's an artist Well, what are, what are some of the kind of the, the, the core ideas of Doctor Strange that maintain in, in the art and kind of the visual storytelling language? You know, what are, what are some of the things that are always kind of core to Doctor Strange, kind of who and what he is, if that makes sense? Like, I know he's always kind of got the eye of Agamotto. He's always got the cape in some form or another. And the dimensions are always a present deal. Kind of, yeah. What are some of the, the core concepts there? There's a lot of, like, weird... There's a lot of fluidity in Doctor Strange. Like, everything always feels like it keeps moving. Nothing feels like it really stops or stagnates unless it needs to. It's just one of those, again, I think it came from the Steve Ditko art where everything's just, like, very flowy and webby and it just kind of, like, keeps everything moving, which is a a modern thing. It's kind of harder to do that in the 60s with all the art because it'd be like, here's this really cool flowy artwork. Here's three paragraphs of exposition. (laughs) 
But now with modern art, they can kind of be a bit more, just just be a bit freer with the art and let that explain a lot. Like, uh, I was just catching up in Doctor Strange yesterday, and they had this really cool page where it's just Doctor Strange and a dude walking and talking in, I forget what dimension they were in, but the main picture was the two of them standing next to each other, but then the rest of the page was just them walking, and they'd be walking over themselves, and like, there was like ones who were like, Doctor Strange was like walking on the dude's ear and like stepping down onto his shoulder as like they just walked and had a conversation basically on themselves oh that's that's fantastic yeah it was just i don't know it was cool there's just since dr strange's whole thing is that he can kind of do whatever he wants like everything's always kind of changing and even stuff that's familiar they always try to put like a new twist on to make it familiar I don't know. It's just kind of cool. Like you don't, you can get comfortable with the character, but they're gonna do whatever they want with him, and he's a character that can take it. That's definitely like everything I've seen. Definitely has got like perception determines reality kind of emphasis to it, and he just perceives a lot more than everyone else. It seems like like that always seems like you know his eyes were opened by the ancient one, and yeah, that's why I always liked that his main weapon is just an amulet that's a giant eye that can like see the truth and see through other dimensions because like. He's not here to punch things in the face. He's just here to, like, see everything that's going on and keep an eye on everything. I mean, he will punch things in the face, but, like, it's not his favorite thing to do. That's not the emphasized role, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's look at that and let's look at, start looking at the movies here a little bit. And we'll start with um, with a brief mention that there was a made-for-TV movie in the 70s that was, um, I think, Hot Garbage might be the yeah. best description of it. Yeah, I own it. Because oh, again, no. I know what I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> You're and, on brand. Yeah, and it was just, it was a present from a friend, actually. He found a VHS copy of it, and he's like, I feel like you need to own this. I'm like, no one needs to own this, but I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> The irony is that I don't have a VCR because it's 2016, so I haven't been able to watch it since I got it. <laughs> but I definitely saw it, like, years ago when it was still on YouTube in, like, 15 parts. Because I was like, I wonder what this is about. Then I watched it, I was like, ugh, I'm fine without that. Well, then, moving past that, which uh, I think the only thing I saw in that that was interesting to me was that Stan Lee was, like, a guiding light of that. And he said it was, like, his best TV experience so far. <laughs> Which is weird. That crazy old man. <laughs> there was a cool uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon because a friend gifted it to me while I was at work and we flipped it over and Je- Jessica Walters is in it. Mallory Archer herself. And we're just kind of like, oh, would it be rude if I ever met her to get her to sign this instead of anything else I own that's Archer Arrested Development? <laughs> That would that would certainly be probably one of the weirder things she's she's been asked to sign. I would imagine. So uh, let's let's talk about the uh, the animated movie Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme. It was definitely much more of a movie than the first one. I'll I'll give it that. <laughs> Starting off strong. Good. Good. This was his origin story again, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember they did some, like, weird twisting to it. He had, like, a sister in there for some reason. I just remember being really bored by it, which is easily the worst thing you could ever do with a Doctor Strange movie is somehow make it not interesting when it has to do with, like, a bunch of cool magic and mystical stuff. Yeah, like, boring is, I mean, the worst result of any sort of entertainment media ever. But, man, with someone like that where you're literally bending reality. Yeah. Oh. I just remember watching, because at the time I worked at a movie store, so I got to watch it for free, and I still kind of wanted my money back again. <laughs> I still own it, on brand. 
yeah, I just remember being really bored by it, and, like, they did some cool stuff with, like, the characters. I remember liking Wong a lot more, because basically, the more time goes on, Wong just keeps getting better and better, because you can tell where people are just like, we're so sorry that you were a literal manservant for, like, 20 years, and you're such a good character, we're just gonna keep giving you things to do. So I remember him being really cool and fun in the animated movie, and then I don't remember anything else, because it was really boring, and, like, I just remember the fight scenes weren't even that cool. I think Baron Mordo was the bad guy, but they like handled it really sloppily, so like you didn't really care. Yeah, I, the bits I remember of it were Baron Mordo was the bad guy, Dormammu was kind of there, but really uninterestingly for a gigantic fire-headed demon guy. Yeah, it's impressive if you make Dormammu not look cool. That's sad, because, I mean, the dude is like fire trench coat, fire head, five times taller than you. Yeah, he's just a giant flaming demon. Like, that should be badass no matter what you do to him. But, like, they managed to make him kind of bland. I mean, look, they've managed to make Ghost Rider look good in every visual appearance of him, even (laughs) if those movies were garbage. They can probably do Dormammu, or they should be able to. So what you're saying is we need to get Nick Cage to play Dormammu. I mean, look, now that you've said it, I just feel like that's the best possible outcome. I would watch that movie? (laughs) It would not be a good movie, but it would be a fun movie. As long as we got Crazy Cage, not not Boring Cage. Get, Get, like, Cage from, like, Vampire's Kiss to do it. When oh. he's just screaming. <laughs> or just those those crazier moments of The Rock. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely not Ghost Rider Cage. He's not allowed to touch it. <laughs> yeah. It's weird when you get him to play a dude with a skull that's flaming and you get a more tame Cage. Yeah. And then they told him to go over the top in that sequel and... Oh, God. yeah, he went too far. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's how good this animated movie is that we decided to talk about Ghost Rider instead. <laughs> <laughs> that that should tell everyone a whole lot about it. Um let's uh, let's jump then to something good and something that we'll probably both have a whole lot to talk about. Uh Doctor Strange starring Benedict Cumberbatch, the uh, newest intro in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. Shannon, I know you were concerned about this going in. How are I you feeling? was. I don't know what it is, but, like, I remember they announced that they were making Doctor Strange. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But then for some reason, like, for a year and a half, every time they announced something, I just, like, couldn't react to it. And everyone's just like, what's wrong with you? This is your favorite superhero. He's getting a movie. I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't know why I don't care. And then, like, I remember they put out the teaser trailer, which, in my defense, I'm never impressed by teaser trailers. I don't know what it is about them. But I remember, like, they put out the Doctor Strange teaser trailer, and I was just like, yeah, I still don't care. I'm really upset. Why don't I care? (laughs) And then when they put out the first full-length trailer, according to my husband, I cried. I don't know what he's talking about. But then I was, like, finally on board with it. And then the movie came out, and it was basically everything I wanted. So I was very happy with it. So how, how do you feel about Benedict? Cumberbatch's performance. I usually don't like him, but I really enjoyed him as Stephen Strange. I don't know why he had to do an American accent, but yeah. he tried his hardest. If, if that's the worst thing he did in that movie, I feel pretty good about it. And again, it's not like Doctor Strange needed to be American or have a consistent accent. Like, he could have done whatever and I would have believed it. So oh, yeah. even when like he lost the American accent every once in a while, it's just like, yeah, 
it still fits. It's fine. And uh, my thoughts coming out of the theater were just like, oh, he nailed it just like Robert Downey Jr. nailed you know, Tony Stark just right out of the gate. Yeah. Like, he was that character. Yeah, when they did the, the first scene where he was in surgery and he's just like tapping his feet and dancing and talk, like being cocky about music he can recognize. So I was like, oh, yeah. No, I'm sold. This is exactly the Stephen Strange I wanted. Look at this piece of shit. I love him. <laughs> yeah, no, he was a he was a fantastic character. Like, and he had a believable arc to him that yeah. was it humbled him, but at the same time, he was still a little bit not a little bit. He was still very like cocky and self assured even to the end of the movie. Yeah, which is nice that there was like that core consistency to him. But still, you got to see the guy grow. Yeah, I like that they stuck to their guns of him remaining, like, his character throughout. Like, when we reach the point where they're in the Sanctum Sanctorium and they just fought Cassilius. And they're just like, yeah, you're a part of this now. He's like, whoa, 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 I did not sign up for this. You guys are supposed to fix my hands. That's all I care about. I'm a doctor. I don't want to kill people. I just killed a dude. I'm not here for this. I don't want this. And I was like, oh, this would, it could have been really easy to be like, yeah, I'm the hero. But I was like, no, I like that he had his purpose and that's still exactly what he wants. Even if he got carried away with it, it was like, oh, I can do magic now. He's still just like, wait, no, I remember why I'm here. Like, no, I don't want to do this. It, it made that scene on the balcony with the ancient one just have so much more punch to it. Oh, that was such a good scene. That, that moment when she's standing there being like, yeah, you absolutely can go back and you can be that amazing surgeon again forever and the world will be lesser i was just like oh oh that hurts yeah that hurts Uh, so much that was such a good scene i loved it so much (laughs) so how did how did you feel about the ancient one there's so much controversy around it but just looking at it as her performance and her performance alone i think she did a great job with what she was given the ancient one usually doesn't have that much personality so like Actually enjoying the Ancient One as a character was a first, where I was just like, oh, you're being funny, and you have a personality. I kind of dig this. I like this. Like, I know, I've known from minute one that you're doomed, but I can get behind you right now. I like this. There there are a few characters in any sort of, you know, superhero movie that you just know are dead. Yeah. Right off the bat. You know, Bruce Wayne's parents are going to die every single time. And Pa Kent is going to die. And that's that's just what she felt like immediately. It was like, oh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> now, uh, did did the Ancient One always have that same connection to Dormammu in the comics? Like, is that a thing that's happened previously? Um, From the t- off the top of my head, I can't remember. Again, the Ancient One, he, his purpose is to die. Okay. He's just, he's just one of those characters. You're like, I am going to teach this dude this thing. I am going to get betrayed by my student and be murdered later. And that's like, that's what he's there for. Like, every once in a while, he'll show up in an ethereal form. Be like, uh, Steven, you're kind of sucking right now. I'll give you some advice. Bye. Remember how I died for you? Get it together. <laughs> yeah, so that's just kind of always been what he's about. And... And they're actually in uh, the new comics, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, The ancient one's in that one, but it's like a time-displaced version, so it's him as a younger man. So I'm kind of excited to see him as a young dude and get more personality out of him there. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. So we we mentioned that uh, there was some controversy surrounding it, and 
you know, they had that one-off line that, you know, the ancient one was some Celtic woman that had just been living forever. Does it still work? Like, it worked for me not knowing the comic background as much, you know. know, She portrayed that part really well, and she plays it off with that right edge of mysticism and, you know, modernity to it. But outside of all that, like, does it work? Does the character choice work? I think she still does work, yeah. It's unfortunately one of those, they were put in a corner that had two pathways out, and both pathways were terrible. And they they picked a route and they stuck with it. And no matter what they were going to do, they were going to get hell for it. So, like... They, they just, they made their decision. They went with what they thought was going to be the lesser of two evils. So like, I appreciate them sticking to their guns because it was either whitewash it or do a very old, terrible stereotype from the 60s. Yeah, neither one of those is good. Making it um, a Celtic woman, I, I kind of dug. Like, I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do. Again, both pathways are terrible. Yeah. It's it's just, it's up there with the Mandarin from Iron Man, where just like, no matter what you do, yikes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not ever going to be good, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even with what they did in Iron Man 3, it's still just one of those like, yeah. He was not the Mandarin. That is a dirty lie. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's, oh. Iron, oh, Iron Man 3. That was a, that was an interesting movie. Um, so, so we, we have Doctor Strange, we have the Ancient One. Uh, talk to me about Baron Mordo in this one. That guy was great. I loved him. Oh my god. That dude did such a good job. Uh, I liked that they went the more, like, they did with Baron Mordo what, like, I hope and dream they do with Sinestro one day when we get a proper Green Lantern movie. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, because... I don't know, I just like that trope where there's, like, people that are friends, and then one of them goes evil, and there's, like, now this weird conflicted, just, like, kind of still friends, but I kind of hate you, but, like, you're doing everything against me, but, oh, man, like, we used to be cool, and now I have to kill you, I hate this. But it's also a a totally understandable turn. Like, I can see why he made the choice he did. Yeah, and they definitely, they put a lot of emotion in Baron Mordo that I really appreciate. Like, every time I could see that dude, like, being conflicted, like, he didn't have to say anything. I could see it in his face where I was just like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry for the day you're having. I just want to give you a hug and hope that you don't go evil, but I know you're going to go evil. And man, he turned hard into it by the end of that movie. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. I'm really excited for when we get to see like proper proper Baron Mordo just go full evil. The the showdown that we're going to eventually get between him and Strange is going to be incredible. Yeah, I'm super excited because yeah, that dude did a really good job. Like he was just very believable in watching him and Doctor Strange kind of become buddies, and like you could see like where he was very just stern and just wanted to keep doing this right path, but then found out he was on the wrong path and had been lied to, and you could just see that he was just like, I need to keep doing something, but what I'm doing is not the right thing. Yeah, it's it's rare when you can see a storyteller just make you witness the breaking moment of a character. And they put that right up in front there, you know, just blow after blow on that poor guy. But yeah, that dude's a solid actor, and he did a really good job in that role. He's, he did, and oh, man, I, I just love seeing an actor that really just believes in his character. Yeah. Like that. That's so good. He, he also had the staff of the Living Tribunal, which was one of the moments in the theater where I got to be like, <gasps> and the look at all my friends and no one got it. And I was just like, just me? Just me? Oh, okay. That's cool. That's fine. No one else knows who the Living Tribunal is. Whatever. You guys are nerds. The fact that they included that in there, just like, oh, hey, 
I guess we're going to go ahead and turn hard into the uh, major <laughs> cosmic entities here. Yeah, just mentioned a, a celestial being, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, look, if they couldn't have just shown shown Eclipse walking around. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, when they did the whole trip scene where he was going through all the dimensions, I totally sat there the whole time like, I just, I want to see if I see Eternity or Nightmare, I'm going to lose my mind. But I didn't, and I was just like, alright, that's fine. I, I feel like they they felt like they were already pushing it with what they did show us, you know, just like, hmm... Yeah. Let's test these waters. Like, I'm really hoping that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 does really, really well on another crazy level so that these guys can just dive deeper into that well. Yeah, because it is weird to think that this was the movie where they're like, all right, this is a new character. Let's, like, take it easy. They're like, oh, a man fell into his own eyes after growing 80 hands. So, yeah, you guys are taking it easy. (laughs) So, uh, Wong is in this movie, and he is definitely not a manservant. Nope, he's, he's amazing. Oh, he's so good. They turned him into a librarian because, again, they just he's such a good character. They're like, oh, I know we're doing the origin story, but we want to give Wong more to do and like just have him be as far away from the 60s as we possibly can. The least subservient character in that entire flick. Yeah, he is so good. Benedict Wong did such a good job with him. He just, he made him so charming, even if he was frowning the whole time. I don't think I've ever been so happy to see a Beyonce, to hear a Beyonce cameo than knowing that Wong was listening to single ladies. Oh, no, that was fantastic. And it was a genuinely rewarding moment when he laughed. (laughs) When he laughed at a really bad joke. I think my favorite part was that it was like a, a joke about books. And I was like, oh, you're a librarian. Of course you're going to laugh at a bad joke about books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was such a bad joke. Like, oh, perfect character note there. I like that even Strange is like, really? That one? All right. That's fine. So uh, we also got to see the Dread Dormammu, who mm-hmm. uh, did not have a firehead this time. He did not. I still like what they did with him, oh, even yeah. if it was very different. He looked very cool. I, I think I think they probably had to go that route because of, you know, the the more demonic association and they didn't want to really dive into that as much. Yeah. Also, things that look cool on paper don't always translate well to screen. So, yeah, a giant flaming head while drawn on paper, you're like, that's awesome. But then they could have put it on a screen and just been like, yeah, no, that's not that cool anymore. But the, the thing they gave us, that just massive, like, prismatic, ever-changing yeah. face was pretty fantastic. And apparently Cumberbatch was the uh, motion capture model for that. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. That was pretty cool. Like, half of the voice was his, too. And, like, they wanted him to be a dark reflection of Strange in that dimension, in the dark dimension, which is... Yeah, that's pretty cool. Especially so. given, like, we don't know how long Doctor Strange was there. Just yeah. dying over and over and over and over. Oh, that whole scene was really good. It was so good. Also, it is very appropriate for a character like Strange to have his greatest villain basically be himself. Like, it, it works for him. And I'm, I'm kind of glad they did that. They also did a thing, like, back in the old comics when they would draw Dormammu behind the flames, they just, his face would be all the lines... So when they had his face just have all those, like, wavy lines, I was just kind of like, oh, that's a... I don't know if that's actually a throwback, but I'm taking it as a throwback. No, that's good, yeah. I cannot imagine, like, that moment when when Strange chooses to go into that time loop is 
there's there's a moment when he kind of decides that he's doing this, that he's going to go in and save this world, that he's going to, like, you know, mess with time. And then he leaps into the dark dimension. It's just like, you just went hard into this decision, bro. I did like the whole, like, we have one rule. He's just like, okay, um, I'm going to break it. Uh, I'm very sorry, but I'll be right back. <laughs> And I did like, again, they stuck with their guns that he didn't want to fight and he didn't want to kill. So the the climax of the movie was just him annoying a dude into getting what he wants. (laughs) Which is the most beautiful way you could ever defeat a villain, in my opinion. Because Dormammu was just like, what's going on? Why is this happening? I don't, I'm a nice person. I don't deserve this. (laughs) (laughs) It really was just like, wait, you did what now? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Probably like the last two people to talk about are um, we'll we'll touch on we'll touch on Palmer first uh, Christine Palmer oh, yeah. um, Night Nurse showing up in this uh, how how how'd she do she was okay yeah yeah it's one of those things Marvel movies don't do love interests very well really badly actually yeah so like she did her best. And just, they just didn't give her anything to do. I don't know. There were a few moments of, like, pointless exposition, and it mostly came from her, where I was just like, oh, you're just here, like, there's stuff that we could have sh- just, like, shown. Because, like, she had the whole conversation with Strange, where she was like, you're so arrogant. I'm like, just show us him being a jerk instead of continuing this conversation. But they really want you to do something, so I get it. I, I get, I get that this is part of their whole pattern, like... Oh, here's the hero, and here's the romantic interest, and here's the villain, and here are the side characters, and we all care about all of them, but it didn't feel like she belonged here. It's not like Night Nurse is the most stellar character to begin with, but she's usually has a bit more of a presence than this. Like, there's a scene that they included from my favorite Doctor Strange comic, The Oath, where she's operating on him and he comes out in his ethereal form. Oh, yeah? And that's straight out of the oath. Like, the second that scene started happening, I just started losing my my mind. I was so excited. It was one of those, I'm the jerk to sit next to in a theater that was totally cool starts happening. I start, like, hitting you. My poor husband, this whole movie was just like, stop, stop. I know. I know they said said the boots of Vashanti. You're going to be fine. Just leave me alone. At least the hoary hand of Hoggoth didn't show up. Oh, I would have lost it. When he did the Ditko hands, poor David, he was just like, I know, I saw, stop, stop hitting me. But uh, when that scene happened, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Straight out of the oath. But like in the oath, she's, she does a bit more, like she doesn't take his And I kind of liked it better in the comics because he was just like, hey, you should take this incision. She's like, I'm going to leave a bullet in your chest if you talk to me again. He's like, all right, you do you. Whereas like in the movie, it was still a really good scene. I still loved it. But she was just so like shell shocked by everything. I was like, I get it. But it's just a little bit of the charm was kind of gone that she was just kind of was like letting it happen. And I was like, I kind of liked it better when she was just kind of like, hey, look, I'm operating on you. Don't tell me what I'm doing. I'm doing it. It it almost makes me wish they would have pulled Rosario Dawson's character up from the Netflix series for that. Oh my god, she would have been perfect. Because <laughs> she doesn't take anyone down there. Like, she's baffled by it all, but she's like, no, shut up and get on the table. <laughs> yeah, if they had given her a bit more of that, I feel like I would have liked her more because, like, I don't know, she just, she needed something else. And I feel like if she had put her foot down to Strange much sooner, that she probably would have been a bit more endearing. Instead, she was just kind of like, all right, I guess you can talk to me like that because I'm... Um, 
The Marvel love interest. I'll see you later. It's, oh, they're so bad at that in those movies. I kept talking to people about the movie. I'm like, yeah, I loved all the characters. They're like, even Palmer? I'm like, I forgot about her. I'm so sorry. fine. It kind of the last one is uh, Kaecilius, who uh, every bit of reading I did on Doctor Strange, curiously, doesn't mention him at all, ever. He's he's very much like, he's a goon of Baron Mordo. That's a big promotion they gave him in this yeah. movie. Oh yeah, they kind of, like, the storyline they did, they basically just switched, they took out Baron Mordo and put in Cassilius. Which I was, t- I was totally fine with. I was like, you know what? That works because just don't let, don't like show all your cards. Let Baron Mordo be a good guy this movie so he can be evil next time. And just kind of take this one note character from the background and give him something to do. Again, he was one of those, he was just a very default Marvel villain. Like he wasn't the best, but he definitely was still charming and he had his purpose and he stuck to it. And he was a very believable villain, even if he wasn't like the best and greatest villain. But not every villain needs to be Loki. Like, it's totally okay to just have a dude that's like, hey, I have a job to do, and I'm gonna do it. Like, that's fine. They set a high bar with Loki way too early. Yeah. But yeah, Matt Mickelson did a great job with what he was given there. Like, he played that, that like, just kind of brainwashed zealot yeah. to a T. And I did like that you could tell, like, I like villains that don't think they're the villain, where he's just like, no, look, here's my point of view. I'm not doing anything wrong. She's terrible, and I'm trying to stop her. This guy knows what he's talking about, so let's just go to the dark dimension, and we'll all live forever. It will be great. He drank the Kool-Aid, and I like it. He did. He drank a lot of that Kool-Aid. When uh when Strange gets back from his whole like showdown with Thor mom and it's just like I'm gonna give you exactly what you want and I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that almost felt more like a Doctor Who kind of solution to the problem rather than a, a Marvel Comics solution. There was just like okay, that's what you want. Go right ahead. <laughs> in a way that villain kind of won, but not in the way that he wanted to. Like, I didn't feel bad for him because he was a villain and he was, you know, kind of proudly a villain, even if he thought he was doing right. But yeah. man, at the same time, I was like, mm, I almost just wish you had just been outright killed. That would have felt better. <laughs> less, <laughs> less like, oh, buddy. <laughs> Your cool, your cool eye make, makeup's gonna be gone now. You worked so hard on that, that outline, and now it's just gone. It's just gonna be a pile of dirt. Did did they turn into mindless ones? Is that what was going on there at yep. the end? At least that's what I assume. Again, I got very excited when I saw them like twisting into the shape, and like their eyes got yellow and their face got weird. I was just like, oh, is that what I think it is? Cool. Oh, I I am waiting for the day when there's just a horde of mindless ones breaking it in New York. That'll be fun. I'll be so excited. So, you know, we saw at the very end of the movie, the very last post credit sequence was Baron Mordo kind of making his heel turn, going to the dark side there, against the guy who is arguably, like, the nicest guy in this entire movie. Yeah, he's like, oh, you can walk again, that's so sweet. I'm just gonna straight up murder you. Sorry. But man, like, like watching that transition he made there at the end was, like, I was genuinely just like, no, oh, buddy, come on. Come on, don't, don't, don't be like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm super excited to see that dude play a villain now, though, because oh, yeah. oh, no. I feel like he could be something that could stand next to Loki in the lineup of Marvel villains. And I feel like he is a character that should stand up to Loki in the, the lineup of Marvel villains, because they're similar, like, they're 
told they're different, but they're similar. Like, I don't think Baron Mordo is going to be as sympathetic because he knows what he wants and he's very rigid and he's going to just keep focused and work on getting it. He's not going to be like swayed as easily as Loki can be. I'm very excited to see him just go full evil and keep murdering folks. Yeah, Loki's such a fluid character. Like they're they're really good mirrors of each other almost, which is which is going to be fun. I I want to see them in an, like in a villain team up at some point. That'll be oh, that'll be so great. See who wears green better. Oh yeah, throw Yondu in there and just get a trio of sass going around. <laughs> but the uh, the other kind of mid credit sequence was uh you know it was the link into the rest of the marvel universe it was uh you know doctor strange talking with thor in you know a moment that had way too much comedy for what it was <laughs> like the the teacup turning into the beer stein that just kept refilling was just so good but man i i like that they have gotten a handle on those now I really liked that felt like the most the more unnecessary of the two stingers like I still really liked it but it was just one of those I was like oh that was cute it didn't really add anything except for me getting excited that he had his gloves on yeah and and that you know that he's going to show up in the next Thor movie which yeah anything that can help a Thor movie out of the Thor hole is just fantastic I like the Thor movies I know they're not good but I don't care <laughs> They're really not, and I want them to be so badly. Just keep watching them anyways and don't care. Just <laughs> just have a good time. That's all that they're there for. They know what they're about. They're like, look, we're not here to be good. We're Vikings. We just want to smash things. That's what we're going to do. They do that really well. <laughs> yeah, I am very excited for him to show up in Ragnarok. There's, there's already a lot of stuff in Ragnarok I'm really excited about, because Hela's going to be there, and I love her. And like they already showed her silhouette, and she's got the crazy antlers and i was just like oh yes and they got kate blanchett to do it that's gonna be fantastic so good i'm so excited plus we're gonna have some of that planet hulk goodness going on in the background i'm excited for that yeah and they cast valkyrie i forget who's playing her but there's definitely gonna be valkyrie and i'm very excited uh thor's another one of my favorite all-time marvel characters that's probably why I'm okay with the movies. I'm like, these aren't great, but it's Thor. I can't be mad at him. Uh, I think my favorite Thor line is still the um, Thor line that came out after Civil War when Thor came back from the dead. It was just kind of like, what's been going on? And Asgard's over Oklahoma for the first time. And I remember there's, I think it's the third or fourth issue. He meets up with Iron Man after Iron Man had created the robot Thor that killed Goliath. And Thor was just none too pleased. He's like, you took my DNA and you made this monster and you murdered a person with it and they just have a fight for this entire issue and he ruins Tony Stark's suit and Tony Stark just stands up at the end of the fight and goes how am I gonna get home and Thor just goes walk and flies away (laughs) it's just my favorite moment in any Thor comic and Tony Stark's just like oh no Tony Stark is like hands down my favorite Marvel character despite the fact that he is a just total douchebag like 90% of the time and then a cocky madman the other 10 <laughs> and it just like I love watching Tony Stark be Tony Stark but at the same time I love it when the other characters just get annoyed and beat the crap out of him <laughs> and just like shut up and deal with it dude <laughs> yeah I think that's why I love that scene so much because it was just one of those like Tony's totally earned this and I love Tony but this is really satisfying 
we're going to kind of wrap up here with a, with a brief, like just moment. Like, how do you feel about where Dr. Strange is now and kind of moving forward? Like what he's doing in the world of comics, like what's going on with him, which way we're heading. How do you feel about what they're doing with him kind of on the comics front and on the movie front? I couldn't be happier that he's in the forefront to begin with. Because again, this has been my favorite character since middle school. There's Doctor Strange t-shirts now that can fit me. And I haven't seen that for years. And like, I don't know, it's just cool. Like, me and my husband were just in Disney a few weeks ago because we had to go down to Florida for some reason. And like, I walked by a display that was just head to toe Doctor Strange. And I was like, I never thought I would see this day. There's so much Doctor Strange stuff and I only own two of them. So I'm very happy that... This movie was a success. I'm very excited that he's in the Marvel movie universe now. The new comics are great. He's got two comics on the shelf now, the Doctor Strange and the Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, which I still stand by. Sounds like an awesome band. (laughs) I'm just really happy that, like, he's here. It used to be a lot of, like... I think after the 90s, his uh, his Doctor Strange line got canceled, and then he was just a bunch of miniseries and would show up in like New Avengers or Secret Avengers, but he hasn't really had like a Doctor Strange comic line in a really long time, so the fact that he has an ongoing back is great. I'm just, I'm very happy as a ho- ongoing, and it's a really good comic. It's one of my favorite writers. The artist is great, and Sorcerer's, the Sorcerer Supreme comic is really interesting so far. I'm just happy that he's here. And, like, it's not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Shannon, thanks for coming on. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Shannon Maynard, or I have my blog, which is Um, I should probably remember my shop website. It's ShanMainerArt.StoreEnvy.com. I have stickers and sketchbooks up for sale. Hopefully we'll update that soon. And it's all great stuff. Oh, Go buy you. some of it. It's good. I am also a part of the podcast Cool Kids Table, which you can find on Twitter at CKTCast. We're an RPG podcast. We try out different RPGs. It's it's fun. It's cool. And both uh, Alan Sells and Jake Mason that we've had on the show previously are on that. Uh, I think Alan tends to be the all's uh, kind of game master most of the time on there, right? Yeah. Um, you can find this show at Fifth Draw on Twitter and our kind of hub on the internet is fifthdraw.com. And you can follow me at Matt Hotley on Twitter. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye.